I'm your host, Georgie Zendry, along with my co-host and husband, Ed Zendry. Welcome to Truth Always Matters. In these challenging times, we continue to address issues that face the body of Christ in an effort to equip the saints with the truth of the scriptures and sound biblical doctrine. Ed, will you open our program with a prayer? Dear Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being able to publicly profess our faith in you, the truth of your scriptures, and the foundation you laid for your church through sound biblical doctrine. We ask you to bless the local body of Christ. We ask you to bless this radio program and use it to speak to your saints and encourage them to boldly walk in fellowship with you and one another. We ask you to bless this radio station. Use KKXX in proclaiming the gospel and build your church. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. This week's program is on the end times. Many, many, many out there are asking, are we in the last days? If you would like to join in our discussion, call KKXX at 530-894-7325. Today, we have two very special guests. Both are biblical scholars. I want to welcome Father Peter Hansen of St. Augustine's of Canterbury, in Chico, California. Thank you, Georgie. Good to be here. Welcome Dominic Ortega, pastor of Hamilton City Evangelical Free Church, teacher and preacher of in-depth biblical truth. Thank you guys for having me on the show. Father Hansen, you have your own have been involved in your own program on KKXX. Tell us a little bit about your program. A couple of different times. I, I've been uh, invited many times by... Um, Jerry O'Lennon for the local talk. Uh, I have a, a single day, uh, Tuesdays, generally I come and I'm, I'm his guest, and we discuss many things to do with current uh, Christian things in the world. Um, I once had a program called The Lord Be With You for about six years in the early 90s, and uh, uh, it was my own program for about 15 minutes a day in the weekdays, but... Um, all the people who used to listen to me have died, so we're just... We're just <laughs> <laughs> that happens. So, Why that happens. But that's where I met you, Georgie, back, mm-hmm. way back there, and we started a TV program together at the time. We did. Yeah. Yeah. Radio first, TV yeah. second. I think one of the hottest shows, I know this is like a rabbit's trail, you and I did, and Ed was involved also. It was at KKXX, and it was simulcast with KPay. Mm-hmm. You remember that show? That it was on the abortion issue. Yeah, sure. It's pro-life. Pro-life. Mm-hmm. And it was the hottest show I ever had. And we had so many call-ins. It was like never-ending. The uh, Bruce Sessions and I never got to say one word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we introduced your brother-in-law, Cyrus Zoll, the defense yes. attorney for the pro-life movement, yep. and uh, Mike Ramsey, the district attorney. And they went head-to-head for an hour. Yeah. 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 And Yeah. Yeah. That's right, and the founder of Operation Rescue called in. Right, know, it was like there. people were stopping yeah. on the road to listen to us. Yes, and We was. said nothing. <laughs> uh-huh. So thank you for both for being here today with us. Um, Dominic, I want you to tell a little bit about your ministry, because I'll tell you what, you are one of the best Bible teachers I've ever listened to, besides well, Father Hanson. Yes. <laughs> no, don't, have, don't make the exception. <laughs> well, I pastor a little church out in... Hamilton City, the EV Free Church in Hamilton City, and 
I, I just love teaching God's Word. I and mean, we go through the Bible uh, one book at a time. Right now, currently, we're in the Gospel of Mark, and we're right at the uh, crucifixion. So this come, we just finished the Last Supper. We'll be looking at the Garden of Gethsemane and moving forward. Beautiful study, uh, looking at the, our, redeem, our Savior, and our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And if you ever have any doubts about whether God loves you, just do a, a great... Uh, Bible study on the crucifixion and, and the resurrection, and, and uh, uh, there's no greater expression of God's love that you could find probably in Scripture than, than that passage there. So anyway, I just uh, always loved uh, uh, teaching the, the Bible uh, and, and expositorily and verse by verse. Yeah. So today's program is on Are We in the Last Days? You know, and the Bible's very clear there will be worldwide deception in the end times. So I, I want to focus around deception in the end times. There's a lot of Bible prophecies of kingdoms coming together and wars and all of that, but I, I want to particularly focus on deception in the last days. Um, so we're in the last days, I believe. The Bible's very clear there will be worldwide deception in the end times. Jesus said in Matthew 24, if it were possible the very elect would be deceived. Thank God it's not possible, because that's what he said, if it were possible. In America, we see this great deception unfolding from once really good Orthodox churches, falling prey to the inclusive movement sweeping throughout the churches in America. Matthew 24, 23 says, Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if it were possible, even the elect. See, I have told you before, our Lord says, Matthew twenty four twenty six. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner room, do not believe it. Check it out. Jesus isn't going to be hiding in some secret room back there. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 4.1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressively that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. 2 Thessalonians 2.1, Now brethren, concerning the come of, coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you, not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by the word or by letter, as if it came from us, as though the day of Christ had already come. Let no one deceive you in any means, for that day will not come unless the coming, the falling away comes first. What does that mean, the falling away? Of course, we know that it means the great apostasy from Christianity falls, the Christians fall away from Christ. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 2.4, who opposes and exalts himself above thought, all that is called God or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. The Bible is very clear. There will be a great falling away from the faith, the Christian faith. And I'm going to have ask Ed if he'll read 2 Timothy 3.1. In fact, Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.1, there will be a complete breakdown of goodness and morality throughout the world. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, 
slanderers, without self-control, brutal despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people, turn away. When we read 2 Timothy 3, 1, know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. The word perilous in the Greek is chalpos. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that word, chalpos, right or not. Anyways, it says perilous in the Greek. The only other place in the Bible this word is found is in Matthew 8, 28. When Jesus had come to the other side, to the country of the Gerasenes, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs. Exceedingly fierce. The Greek word for that is kalpos, the same exact word that was in uh, 2 Timothy 3.1, so that no one could pass by. In Timothy 3.1, Paul uses the same Greek word. This time it is interpreted perilous. So we can see what's happening here when Jesus is going walking by the tombs. These two demon-possessed men come out. People are afraid to go in there because these men are so violent, so outrageous, so much so that people are afraid to be... This, it's the same Greek word that Paul is using here in 2 Timothy through 1 to describe the last days. It is interpreted here, perilous, which means, of course, uh, fearful. And so we know if the last days is coming, and if we're in it, that things are going to become really fearful around us. So that's my, my little commentary on that today. <laughs> Anyways, so... Now we're going into the topic of the last days. So, Father Hansen, what does the Bible mean when it says last days? That's a great question, Georgie. I, whenever we're dealing with things in the future and in particular things that have been um, revealed in visions and, and so forth and, and scriptural teachings, even Jesus' own uh, teaching about the end times when he's talking about how the end of times will come because they were asking him, what, what, what is this going to look like? And he gave pretty good teachings on this, but he didn't map it out in a way that you could put your watch, you know, starting at this point or that point. Mm -hmm. And I think that's good. I, I always say keep on the balls of your feet when you're dealing with that subject, because if you get too planted, you get too absolutely flat-footed on the ground. This is my interpretation. I know this is happening. X, Y, Z is in play. Therefore, set your watch seven years out. It's it's over, you know, or 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 the rapture comes in then seven years ago, or whatever anybody's theory is. And I think that's that's in itself a danger for faithful people who are getting too uh, concerned about a clocks or, or um, how these revelations will plan out in real life. Christ said, be ready all the time. He said his servants should always be ready because uh, he'll come as a thief in the night. So he's he's showing us that we can't just relax until the first um, alarm goes off, and then you then you know it's I got to set my watch seven seven years out. No, you you should always be prepared. For any of us who are mortal, uh, the, our last days could be you know tomorrow, next year, or ten years from now, uh, and that's a lot more important for our life than when this actually takes place and the, the sky rolls up and. If stars fall and all of that happens, it's much more important for us to be always ready. The, um, the scriptures speak about the end times starting really literally with the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. 
thereafter the the whole world has changed and uh, we are in preparedness. Now that being said, a lot of scholars have put uh, a funny grid on, say, Revelation and say it was all fulfilled in the first century and these, these things all meant the emperors of Rome and the, and the persecution against the church, uh, and it all got fulfilled, and they just explained it in this symbolic looking-back way. Well, I think that's nonsense. I, I think it definitely, or, it, or even if it used motifs that could be recognized as being immediately sort of fulfilled uh, and, and relevant, as Scripture fulfills uh, future you know, prophecy, it does it again and again, and it has an ultimate end. I think there is a definite set of events that are coming. So saying that uh, we aren't absolutely fixed on the ground for that time, uh, it doesn't mean it isn't real. It's very real, wouldn't you say? Amen. And I would add to that, uh, Jesus emphasized our need to be ready in Matthew 24 uh, the with the the story of Noah, right? So... In the days of Noah, people were eating and drinking and getting married, and and they were going about their life, but they were procrastinating. They they weren't ready for that day of judgment that Noah was preaching about. And uh, really, with the last days, we're talking about the last days before Christ returns, right for His second coming. And and uh, it's important to realize that you know the, in Christ's first coming, He came humbly as our Savior, uh, to, to uh, pay the penalty for our sins there at the cross. In his second coming, it's to rule and reign and set up his kingdom. Amen. We're going to go for a break, and if you want to call us on the air, call 530-894-7325. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Welcome back to Truth Always Matters. This program is brought to you by We Care Ministries. If you'd like to support this broadcast or become a sponsor, contact us by writing to We Care Ministries at 3208 Highway 32, Chico, California, 95973, or contact KKXX Radio. You can join us today on today's program by calling 530-894-7325. And I want to encourage you just to stay on topic with us. I want to welcome our guest again, Father Peter Hansen of St. Augustine's in Chico and Pastor Dominic Ortega, pastor of Evangelical Free Church of Hamilton City. So as we were closing, we kind of ran out of time a little bit, but I want Dominic, you to answer the question, how could there be such worldwide deception because in the last days of Jesus, of, of the world here, there's going to be great deception coming into the world. How could there be such worldwide deception when we have so much gospel truth and the availability of the Bible? 
and we still have great, good Christian churches. How can this happen? Well, Jesus warned us there in Matthew 24 to watch out for false Christ, right? So a false messengers, that's, that's the first thing Jesus wants us to know is to be careful who you're listening to. There's going to be a lot of people claiming to be uh, some sort of savior and uh, in these last days. And, uh, and so he warns us about that. He says, take heed to yourselves. And that's, that's a, a strong warning. He's saying, you know, look at yourself, be careful who you listen to. There's going to be a lot of false Christ, and they're going to come with false signs and wonders, right? So when he gets into Matthew 24, he talks about signs and wonders that will take place. But in Revelation 13, 4, it actually says that there'll be a, a false prophet who comes with really lying signs and wonders and deceives the whole world. So we need to be careful about the types of signs and wonders that uh, we're looking for or looking at. And, uh, and really in Mark 13 and Matthew 24, Jesus really kind of, he tells us what the end times looks like, but he doesn't, when he talks about rumors of wars and uh, false Christ, he's saying, hey, these aren't, these aren't the signs you should be looking at. He'll, he'll tell you in Mark 13, he says, these aren't the signs, but they will happen. So don't get too caught up in uh, just uh, these end time type of scenarios where, um, you know, the, where they see some sign and it's, they want you to sell your property and send them all your money and all that kind of stuff. That has happened. The, uh, <laughs> in the middle of the 19th century, there was a whole spate of these kind of prophecies and whole movements and people gave everything away, went on a hilltop and waited for Christ to return and as far as I know, he didn't return then. So um, <laughs> we would have thought. And, and so they changed their doctrine and kept going. But uh, such such movements have have been, and you know, within our memory, we remember poor Harold Camping. I think he had four four different end of world scenario dates, yeah. and um, and collected from some people. But God help him. So Father Hanson, I want to ask you: Church attendance is down. A church yes. is not having the influence it once had on society. That's the truth right now. Mm -hmm. What do you see happening within the church right now? You know, that's a good question. Um, we're so darn comfortable. And I think maybe maybe COVID was, a, was an acceleration factor where people realized because they had to stay away from church for a period of time that they could stay away from church. And um, other, th other factors, I think, affluence. Like we, we discussed this briefly on Jerry's, Jerry's show uh, a few weeks back, that there's a, a whole series of factors, but basically our America is an affluent society and we have distractions. Goodness, you know, don't you know there's NFL on, and you know, or there was until a couple of weeks ago. Um, there are things to do. There's soccer games. There's, there's kids pushing uh, an agenda that's different than, say, we must go as a family to the church this morning and let's get, up, let's get your clothes on. Uh, we we don't feel desperate enough because we're well fed, well clothed, well housed, and well way well entertained. And I, I suppose that's another factor because uh, churches feel the pressure to entertain the uh, the audience as much as they can because there's so much other entertainment out there that can call them away. So um, it's going to take. I think I'm going to anticipate one of your future 
questions here, but you, you've asked why there's where is going to be a tribulation. I think that the world at some point or another, because God is good and He loves us, He's going to try to scare some people straight. You know, He's He's going to put uh, so much uh, reality behind the fear of God's judgment that the those who can possibly be saved at the last moment will be saved. Yeah, yeah. yeah and Jesus, uh, uh, that goes back to being ready as well. If you are uh, a procrastinator, if you're telling yourself, well, I've got things to do and I don't have time for Christ in my life or God in my life, I don't have time to read my Bible, I don't have time to go to church, then uh, then you're, that's that's what Jesus is, is warning us about. Hey, don't, don't become uh, so absorbed in the world that you're neglecting your, your walk with the Lord. Right. So... We have a caller on the line. Kathy, welcome to the show yes. today. You have a question here for Dominic? I do. Morning, Dominic. Morning. Or I guess actually it's afternoon. <laughs> uh, so my question is um, uh, what you see that uh, may be going on in the world today that would lead us to know if we're actually in the last days. Well, as we said in the introduction, uh, scripturally speaking, we're in the last days. Uh, one example would be in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, Peter preached, and he said, uh, he, he talked about how that was a fulfillment of what Joel had written in the Old Testament. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. But um, as far as signs that were in the last days, well, we're going to discuss some signs a little bit later uh, in relationship to Christ's return. But I would say that uh, in Bible prophecy, the nation of Israel really is the the clock on the wall. Uh, that when Israel became a nation again, uh, much of Bible prophecy centers around what happens to the nation of Israel. So just in general, we keep our eyes on what what God is doing there. But, um, uh, and in regards to the last days, but, uh, but un the other thing we need to realize, uh, we really kind of haven't really laid this foundation yet, but in scripture, the last days, you could divide it up into some, some parts. So right now we live in the church age, what's been called the church age or the age of grace, where Jesus' church is established. You'll remember uh, when Jesus was speaking to Peter and he said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we're living in that church age right now. A great description of the time between Christ's first and second coming are found in Matthew 13 with the kingdom parables. I think there's seven of them. And then following that church, that the church age ends with the rapture of the church. And then we get into uh, the next stage of, of the last days, which would be called maybe the tribulation period or some title along that lines, Daniel's 70th week. Some people call it that. But uh, but we'll go into the, the tribulation period in Scripture that's described. And then at the end of that seven-year tribulation, Christ returns and sets up his millennial reign for a thousand years. And then following that, we have the new heaven and the new earth described there at the end of Revelation. But so the last days are divided up into those um, kind of parts. And uh, so it's important when we're studying the scriptures on the topic, we're understanding which 
which uh, part we're, we're applying that to. So the last days definitely includes the church age and, and things that are going on now. A lot of the scriptures we read in the introduction uh, covers that. Hope that helps. Thanks, Kathy, yeah. for calling in. Okay, thank you. Well, that just kind of leads me to another question here. Could we be living in the tribulation period? And we just don't I, know it yet. Well, yeah, that, that would be hard to feature. I mean, the description that Christ gives of, you know, an in, in increase of wars and disasters and so forth, but really that great deception, it has, to, it has to be headed up by somebody who has world dominion. And right now you can't call on anybody who's got the whole world in his, in his pocket. Um, but I believe that that's, that's a coming feature. All the globalist uh, pressure from certain quarters certainly gives a, a heralding of that future idea, some sort of a high value that if the world were only uh, under one power, then we'd all live in peace and we'd all uh, be prosperous and there would be no inequity and yada yada. But the, the fact is, that's the perfect setup for the, for the Antichrist. And we're certainly not there. We're not there. No, no. But it could be. You not think so? Far. Not, what do you think it far. would take to make us get to that point? Fear. We, we just had the pandemic, which supposedly um, you know, led us through a great peril, and we got through it by, by all this wonderful science. Well, now we kind of lift the peeling paint off of that fallacy and realize that we were under a, a tremendous manipulation. And uh, the way they handle that worldwide uh, and trying to give over to like the World Health Organization and its recommendations, you can drive the entire world under one tent by just a health threat. That's what we went through. We did. With, right. Wow. Yeah. And, and the word tribulation in scripture, when we talk about the book of Revelation and the great time of tribulation, that is God's wrath poured out on a world that has rejected Christ. And uh, God's not pouring out his wrath on his bride, his church. Yeah. Uh, that, that would, you know, even that picture of that just, uh, you go, yeah, that can't happen. So I think some people get a little confused. They just think that tribulation is tribulation. Uh, we, we, are, we will face tribulation for our testimony. You know, our, our following Christ will lead to tribulation. But that's not God's wrath. That's the world's uh, rejection of Christ mm -hmm. that, that we experience. But... It, but the the intensity of of God's wrath being poured out in the Daniel seventieth week or the great tribulation is still to come. So I'm I'm going to go to Revelation six one and two. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, "Come and see." Verse two. And I looked and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Could this be Vladimir Putin, be the guy sitting on the white horse? I'm sure you both disagree with me, but... I disagree with you. I know you do. <laughs> so I'm just throwing that. And then uh, why is there a seven-year tribulation period? Dominic, you might have... Because it's God calling the people back to him. Yeah, the, uh, we get the seven years period, uh, primarily based out of, uh, I think, Daniel chapter 9. Mm -hmm. uh, and their incredible prophecy, probably that prophecy alone could take up a whole show. Daniel 9, 24 to 27-ish, right in there. But um, it, it's a 70 weeks. Every week represents seven years. Mm -hmm. And, of course, it says that Christ uh, was crucified in week 69. 
and then uh, there's some events that take place after that, and then we get to Daniel's 70th week, which begins with a peace treaty, a covenant between Israel and this um, second prince that the passage talks about. So I don't know that uh, Putin's not making any peace treaties with Israel, so or, or covenants with Israel, but that's that's that world leader uh, is, is going to do that, and that's really the first uh, sign of the tribulation that the tribulation period has begun. Uh, so I think you'd find that in Daniel chapter nine. Of course, there's a lot of uh, time indicators given in the book of Revelation as well. So I have a question for Father. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're coming to the end of this of this uh, segment, and so I want to thank you for joining us, spending your noon hour with us today. And again, we're very uh, grateful to have uh, uh, Father Hanson and Dominic Ortega here as our guests. We're blessed to be here. Yeah. Yeah. So it was okay. It is okay. Okay. So anyway. Now it now is. Now it is. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, we right there. Okay. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to Truth Always Matters. As we head toward a universalistic society, the church becomes more inclusionary, compromising biblical values and principles to fit the globalist agenda. In her book, The Emerging One World Church, Tossed by the Waves, Georgie Zendry exposes the root of deception, which was subtly crept into the Christian church, establishing the foundation of the universal church that is prophesied in the Bible. It is an important read for Christians today to understand the deception we are facing in these end times. The book is available on Amazon. I'd like to welcome you back and our guests, uh, Pastor Dominic Ortega and Father Peter Hansen. If you'd like to call us while we're on the air, it is 530-894-7325. So, during our break... Well, I'm going to do a little house cleaning first here. Mm-hmm. Fawn called in, and so I want this for the last segment. It, she wants to ask you, Father Hanson, um, she doesn't want to talk on the air. Since people have already left the church, how do we get them back to come back? Very good. Very quick. And we'll, we'll answer that as the closing here. All right, I'll think about that. You'll think about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Big so, sale. Yeah. So is Israel a sign of the last days? Israel concerns me, and, and the way this, this Hamas attack happened and what it really meant to me was a, it was trying to be a signal to the entire Muslim world to come to war with them. To come uh, to war with Israel. Yeah, they, they, knew, they knew that what they did it was so audacious, so inhuman, so unprecedented and unprovoked that Israel would have to respond as they have, which was automatic. You, you couldn't not do this response to take out this political form format as your neighbor 
and say, stop doing these things to our people. Okay, well, that, that looks like that can be played on Algeria and other you know, Arab sources of, of uh, information and on Facebook and on everything else saying, here's Israel, a bigger country, beating up on us little poor people, mm-hmm. and therefore um, come to us, everybody, come all brothers, you know, and, and join us in the great war against Israel. Well, if you, you create a, a war against Israel that involves the entire Muslim world against Israel and drags in the United States and so forth, that's, that's a pretty big conflict, and it is of biblical proportion, and it could bring forth a, a sort of a, at least a precursor of an Armageddon experience. Precursors are important because there are a lot of precursors in the Bible where somebody is indicating the, the model for what is yet to come, and we'll see it if we get confused that that's the thing. Well, we can we can cut ourselves short, but um, they are important and they are kind of ripplings from the future. But this current conflict um, between Israel and Hamas and its allies uh, is important for us to watch and hopefully not let it be boiled over. So, Dominic, with the attack on Israel, could we face Ezekiel thirty-eight? Well, I wanted to back up just for a second on the last question. Is Israel a sign of the last days? And just one quick Bible verse for you, uh, Matthew 13, 28. Now in Matthew 13, or excuse me, Mark 13, 28. Mark 13 and Matthew 24 are both covering the same uh, information there. Christ is answering two questions that that the disciples had asked him. uh, When are... These things are going to take place. What is the signs of your coming? And uh, Jesus is answering those two questions in Matthew 24 and Mark 13. And Jesus both, the sermon starts off with him answering the, the first, the second, kind of second question first. What are the signs of, of the end of the age? And so Jesus goes through and he gives you all these signs. And then toward the end of his message, he answers the question about timing. When will these things take place? And he does it with a couple, in, Matt, in Mark 13, he does it with a couple of parables. The first one is the, le, might be titled in your Bibles, the, the lesson of the fig tree. And it's a, I want to touch on it just because people get a little confused about this one. But it says now, learn a parable of the fig tree. When her branch is yet tender and puts uh, forth leaves, we know that summer is near. So in like manner, when you see these things come to pass, know that it is uh, nigh even at the door. Verily I say to you that this generation will not pass away till these things uh, be done. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And so in that little parable, he's talking about the, he's gone through all the signs. He's told us about his coming. Now he gets to the timing of it. And uh, and so it's an interesting parable. What does the fig tree represent? And there's there's two possibilities, actually, and I've gone back and forth on them, to be honest with you. But one of them and the one I hold to now is that the fig tree represents Israel, the blossoming of the fig tree. And you can find a lot of cross-references where uh, in teachings in the Old New Testament where Israel is referred to as a fig tree. So uh, the idea being that uh, the sign uh, that we are in the last days, one of the signs is that when Israel blossoms, when Israel becomes a nation again, uh, you know, know that we're right, 
were really close. And so in 1948, nation, when Jesus said this, Israel was not a nation. They were conquered by the Romans. Uh, They existed, of course, as a people, but they, they weren't their own you know, they weren't, they, they weren't independent. They weren't a nation in and of themselves. They were just a people group at that time. But, but Jesus says, hey, when you see them blossom, when you see them bloom, when you see them, be- the idea is that when they become a nation again, I know that, that we're right at the door. And so that happened back in 1948. Now, the other option of the fig tree, just so you know, some you'll hear this. People will say, well, the, the blossom of the fig tree represents the the signs that he just described, that the signs in Matthew 24, Mark 13, when all of those things happen, that's going to be the last generation. Um, and that's that's a possibility as well. But I, I lean toward the other. Uh, but, uh, but he says it's right at the door. So Israel becomes a nation again in 1948. Where people get confused is on the, the last part of that. He says, when I say to you, this generation shall not pass away till all these things are done. And the word generation has caused a lot of confusion. People think in terms of time, right? So you'll have people saying, well, this means Israel became a nation in 1948. Christ is going to return in that generation. So that's either 40 years or 80 years or 120 years, depending on your definition of a generation. But if you actually do a little word study on that word generation, it's actually the same Greek word that they use for genealogies, like in the genealogy of Christ. So it's really just, it's referring to a race or group of people. And so what Jesus, I think, is saying is that when Israel becomes a nation again, they're not going to pass away. That that's, uh, that we'll see those things fulfilled. I don't believe Israel is going to be defeated or be gone again. That this this last coming together of, of Israel as a nation, you know, they've, they've been conquered a couple of times. It's a miracle that they exist today. But that that generation... Uh, it's not going to pass away till all these things happen. So, uh, so it's not necessarily giving us a specific time, but it is saying that we're close and we're, we're right at the door there. I agree with you, Dominic. The uh, the same chapter has that passage that we've kind of made reference. But when you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by the by Daniel the prophet standing where it ought not, let him that readeth understand then let them that be in Judea flee to the mountains. So that seems to be like a triggering event. When that world leader who is evil stands, we, we read it as the temple. Well, there's no temple right now. In fact, it's been a, a hot issue to, to plant a temple on the Temple Mount, whether that would start World War Four or not. It would be pretty close. Pretty <laughs> close, yeah. <laughs> pretty ter- terrifying because the response would be staggering uh, opposition. But if it, it gets built, then uh, absolutely check your, your, your fire retardants. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, in, in Mark's gospel, he, Jesus says that is the sign, yeah. the abomination of desolation. Yeah. I don't think it's the attack on Israel, no. but it's the abomination of desolation. So what does that spoken mean? Spoken of by Daniel. Well, what does that mean? Give us a good description of it. Man. Um, so uh, his, uh, a good ex- I'm trying to think of a good example. Maybe you have one off the top of your head. Well, I, uh, yeah, I think, first of all, you, you get a sense that Israel becomes the center of the world somehow, and that that, at least religiously, and that that focal point becomes a, a, um, a place of testing where, where this world leader, this, this quasi-political religious uh, superman... That we call the Antichrist. We call the Antichrist or right. the beast, and he comes and stands in that place 
and declares himself to be God. Uh, he, he, he overturns all truth by drawing everybody to himself, and the world is deceived and brought into his camp. I mean, that's kind of how we draw it, right? Right. Yeah, and, and historically there have been some abominations of desolation. Sure. Um, Antiochus Epiphany was one that came in, uh, tried to conquer temporarily a couple hundred years there or so before Christ, uh, mm-hmm. uh, conquered Jerusalem for a short period of time, but he went into the temple and he killed all the priests and he put a statue of Zeus in the Holy of Holies. And, and slaughtered pigs on the slaughtered altar. Slaughtered pigs, yes. Yeah. And and uh, and so that's, that's out of that backdrop comes the... Uh, the the celebration that the Jews have of Hanukkah and uh, the, the celebration of lights. And, uh, but as the, that miracle and that story, we don't get into all that, but that would be an example of one. It's not the one Jesus was speaking about because Jesus references Daniel nine. And of course in Jesus day, it, uh, it hadn't happened yet. He said that will happen in the future. Mm-hmm. So something that what Peter Hansen described, something along that the Antichrist setting himself up in a temple. But what's interesting is it says no one knows the day or hour, but when you get to that abomination of desolation, Book of Revelation tells us it's three and a half years. You know the day and the hour. So no one knows the day or hour until that event. When that event happens, then we know that it's three and a half years. The leaves are on the fig tree. So we we have a couple minutes left here. Mm -hmm. And Father Hanson, I wanted to ask you, is there a significance with Russia, Iran, and Turkey becoming allies in the Middle East? Well, I think so. You know, you have the you mentioned the Ezekiel passage, the prophecies of, of things, you know, and they have more or less figured that north of Israel there is a, an alliance of, of like Turkey and Syria and Russia be becoming a, a force against Israel. Uh, Iran certainly plays itself into there right now, the way that the country is set up. Iran is an interesting case because... Well, you know this personally, too. Personally, my wife is, is Iranian, was born there, uh, and, and has a, a, a TV program that uh, broadcasts over there. Um, we have seen a, strange things happening since the Iranian Revolution in 79. Um, it became the most uh, sponsoring terrorist or, organization that their government does. Their people are not that. The people are innocent. The, the people have followed Islam for... 1400 years but innocently and really under oppression and they don't like it uh currently if you go to iran today and you look at the in the great mosques that are famous for their architectural beauty they're empty even on a friday their day of worship it's empty nobody goes they have walked away from islam because they're sick of it yet they are under this uh, this uh, regime that holds them down and that sponsors all this terrorism uh west of them so um Will it? Will that government cave? Um, not if we keep propping it up with gifts. Yeah, <laughs> billions, billions of bucks. I don't want to get pol- political here, but uh, that that might be foolish. Well, I want to close this segment with uh, very quickly, with all the spiritual deception, culture breakdown, and war. Is there any turning back to a normal life? And you got well, about thirty seconds. Well, oh, you don't have thirty well, seconds. What's normal? No. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back with that question. Okay. We're going to go for a break, and we'll be right back.
Thank you for joining us today on Truth Always Matters. Today's program is brought to you by We Care Ministries. If you'd like to support this broadcast or become a sponsor, contact us by writing to We Care Ministries at 3208 Highway 32 Chico, California, 95973. Look us up online at www.wecareministries.us or contact KKXX. Join us on today's program by calling 530-894-7325. We are admonished by the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 4, 1-5, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you will be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. So as we're, we're looking at here at the end days, the last days, what should Christians, how should we approach this, these last days as a believer in Christ Jesus? Well, in, Ma- in Mark 13, I'll just encourage you with this. And, and you go through and read the trap chapter and just underline the things that, that Christ says about things we're not to do, right? We already touched on one. Do not be deceived, right? And he'll say uh, also, do not be afraid, and do not give up, right? And and uh, do not be unprepared. Keep watching and working and be a, a witness, you know. And all of those are encouragements for us and how we can live in these last days. Don't let uh, political, natural disturbances that go on in this world, don't let them discourage you. Be faithful through trials. God's word will not change. So your Bible is God's light in this dark world. So be in the word, following Christ. Uh, here in our uh, the scripture we just read, you know, preach the word, preach Christ to people, and keep watching and working and being a witness. I, I, I was really looking for it. I didn't see anything in the chapter that said, buy a bunch of guns and um, you know, a bomb <laughs> shelter and uh, hunker down. Uh, so he does encourage us to uh, not be afraid. And, and preach life. the word. Yes. So, Father yes. Hanson? Survivalism doesn't really really work with this. When the, uh, the sky rolls up and the and the world is turned to fire, you know, I don't think really having a, a bomb shelter is going to yeah. work. <laughs> well, Paradise learned that one. Yeah, yeah. that's true. So, so Father Hansen from Fawn, yeah. she says, um, since people have already left the church, how do we get these people to come back? That's a good question. It really is. Good question. You know, sometimes when people leave the church, you you celebrate. There, it isn't always. Um, <laughs> it isn't always a bad news, but um, but no. Setting that aside, why do they leave? Um, I think we need to be on our knees more, or at least in prayer. I think we need to pray as as groups. I think I think the unity of the church is important. Mm-hmm. Our brother Gaylord Ends has had um, a wonderful, successful message to our church locally and globally that um, the love of Christians toward one another, shown corporately and shown publicly, uh, dispels that lie that um, Christianity doesn't have the answer because we're, 
we're all at war with each other. Well, we're not, you know. My brother and I are sitting here having a good day and, uh, and sharing from our different perspectives, but we're, we are of one mind. If we show the world that we love each other, then we, um, and that Christians can and do, then we, uh, we show the world that Christ is true. Um, whether, whether it's getting the old people back from, from where they are or, or getting new, uh, we need to be a, a prayerful people. And, and it isn't us that does it. Our, our old met, methods of uh, giving, dispensing in, information, newspaper ads, um, even, even some, some kinds of radios, people aren't necessarily uh, going to those media anymore. So, I mean, that's happened really within the last couple of decades. And so how do we access them? Well, some, some ways we can't unless they happen to tune into our YouTube station or, or something else that we're doing. But I think uh, prayer will create situations which will create our open hearts if we're, our hearts are ready. So when you look at 8 billion people on the planet, yeah. that's a lot of people. And uh, 2 billion are supposedly Christians. Well, some form of Christian anyways. Yeah. There's 6 billion people out there lost. Yeah. And, you know, we need to be, if we're in the time of the harvest, we need to be praying for God to send laborers into the harvest. If it's on the internet, on radio, TV, whatever it is, our foot, the foot soldiers out there. The Southern Hemisphere has been getting more evangelized while the Northern Hemisphere is becoming more secular. Right. Yeah. Or agnostic. Agnostic. Yeah. Is this part of the, the great falling away that we've, that we've talked about, or is it... Uh... I, I see where uh, Christianity had the greatest influence over society. Our, our calendars, our uh, our uh, uh, our laws, laws are all these uh, uh, the foundation that of our country, and yet that all seems to be eroding. Moses standing there with the temple of uh, the tablets is you know a symbol seen in Washington D.C. still as yes. the foundation of our legal system. Yes, yeah. well, as individual Christians. We're called to love, right? We're called to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul. Love our neighbors, ourselves, and we know love never fails. So, on an individual basis, love those people God puts in your life. Show them the love of Christ. Uh, realize that uh, people are going to hurt you, but understand Jesus loves you, and that's more important. And I do think, you know, I was a few few months ago, I was talking to a good friend of mine. He's moving out of the area, but uh, he had been hurt at the church he was at, and he's, I'm not sure I'm going to go back to church. And I, I was a little sarcastic with him because we are good friends. But I asked him, I said, well, doesn't Christ call you to love your enemies? And he's all, yeah. And I said, well, how are you going to do that if you don't go to church? No, no. And that, that was my sarcasm. But, but, but it's true. That's what we're called to do and uh, wherever we go. But, um, but uh, I think that will have a big impact on if we're going to regain kind of the culture, the way we fight against all the, you know, there's a lot of derogatory things said about the church and about Christians and media, but the way we dispel that is through our own personal testimony as we interact with people. You know, people at work, they'll, they'll hear that stuff on the media, but then they, their, their Christian co-worker doesn't really act like that or live that way. And, uh, and so it, it helps them see what a genuine follower of Christ looks like. The, an, so. the anti-Christian world has gotten much more bold in the last couple of decades as to its opposition of the church. It used to be very fearful to say anything against Christianity because it was so powerful. 
but now they can push at us and we feel like we're disqualified and we're not allowed to say anything, or if we do, we're going to be offensive. Well, don't be offensive, for goodness sakes, but you can be truthful. And we can't drop one iota of the doctrine of the true faith, either. The creed stands, and it was, it was fought for and, and won with great sacrifice. So it's what we do. That's what we should do, too. Yeah. You know, in, um, uh, in the same uh, chapter in, in uh, uh, 2 Timothy in 3, mm-hmm. uh, Paul t- admonishes uh, Timothy, yes, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Mm-hmm. We have what we believe in this country, uh, persecution uh, uh, at, um, I think, a fairly superficial level, because in many other countries, uh, just even having a Bible can put you in prison. Uh, having a getting together as we've gathered here today uh, uh, could get you put in prison. And so, um, uh, do you see that we're going to have uh, increased persecution? I th- I think the the beginnings of it are happening around here. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah, we are certainly marginalized. Uh, so the first thing you do is marginalize your opposition. Then you start making fun of them, and then you start uh, making laws and rules against them, deny them access to their own uh, be- meetings. We've experienced all those things in the past few years. I think it's coming. And so what happens with believers, and we're almost out of time here, but what happens with believers is they become closet believers in Christ Jesus. They don't want other people out there in society to know that they're a Christian, and so they don't talk about their faith, they don't speak of their faith, they just kind of live in society, go to the stores, instead of relating or interrelating with other people. I see this frequently, like, yes, we're we can talk about God in our houses or in the church, but we don't dare talk about God out in society. It's almost time for us to close, but I, I want to bring this out really quick. I asked my granddaughter one day, I said, if I said the word God to you, what would you say? And she said to me, I don't know. I don't know. And that's this whole next generation. They do not know just the term God. They're lost. They're just totally lost with it. The emerging church got to a place where it started to tell people to stay home from church and just wait it, wait it out and change things and meet in private. I, I think that's not the emerging church. It's the disappearing church. It's know. a disappearing church. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. tragic. Amen. And always remember, hey, we point them to Jesus. We, Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life. Right. And no one comes to the Father except through him. Except through him. So, um, you know, he's, how do we know what God is like and, and who God is, well, look to what uh, Christ has done and taught. And I always, and, and maybe this ties in a little bit, we're all familiar with John 3.16, hopefully you are, but uh, John 3.17, it, it tells us that God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Right. And I think that's such an important point. It's hard for us. We want to condemn the world. God sent his son when he sent Jesus, he said he didn't send him to condemn the world. So if God's son wasn't sent to condemn the world, neither are you. But you are called to, to love the world. 
and love your enemies and, and love those, bless those that perse- persecute you. So it's time for us to close. Next week, we're going to be coming back with part two, Are We in the Last Days? Hey, God bless you, and may he keep you in the palms of his wonderful hands. God bless you all.